in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to speak the truth, speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head. And uh, so tonight I would just like to take the, the term grace. Uh, it is uh, a theological term. Grace is one of those uh, little words that has just uh, such incredible meaning. And uh, uh, there's one wonderful thing about grace is you can never, ever uh, reach a point in your life where you cannot get more. Uh, we can always have more grace. And I, I do, when we study a word like this in the Bible, a thought, try to run it through the Bible, uh, I, I like to start with the place it's first mentioned. So, Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8, a uh, verse that many of us basically have memorized. It's not hard. It says, but Noah, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, if you read the preceding context there, uh, we come through a, a rather obscure uh, passage there talking about the sons of God and the daughter of men. And uh, just to put it very simply, uh, so that uh, we don't, uh, I don't want to take time to delve into the various understandings of that. The simplest uh, understanding here is that the sons of God were the political leaders. And they started having the harems and multiple wives and, and taking the things that God had given and perverting marriage and all of these things. And it was a time of great Sin, not just, uh, you have to realize here in Genesis chapter 6, the world family was one family. There was only one language spoken of in the entire world. And, and God came down and, uh, in, uh, He said in Genesis chapter 11, this was after the flood. This was after a great reduction in the population that Nothing would be withholding to man to uh, accomplish his evil deeds. And uh, in Genesis chapter 6 here, it tells us that God was planning on destroying every living thing on the earth that breathed air. Now, you stop and think about that. Uh, God has never done that again. He has promised that he wouldn't. And, of course, I'd like to just remind you, global warming is not going to result in a worldwide flood. We've already had that. Amen? Uh, it was not a meteor and great fire that killed all the dinosaurs. It was the flood. Uh, everything that we understand geologically about our world today is connected to this thing and it tells us here, as God was contemplating the death of every living thing on the planet Earth that breathed air, it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. 
Now, I love that verse. God is a God of grace. He tells us he wants us to grow in grace. And uh, I, I do want us to just take a moment here and understand that just because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord did not mean that Noah was just going to sit there and wait for God to do things. God was given Noah a job. In fact, this job took every ounce of his life effort that he could pour into it for the next 120 years. Noah was building the ark. Uh, he did not have all of the tools that we have today. And uh, he built this ark, but how did Noah know how to build the ark? God's grace. It saved Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. Eight people. Uh, could you imagine what Noah and his sons went through and his family there as they were building this ark and all of the mocking and the refusing to believe, it tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Noah was out there trying and no one would listen to him until the first raindrop fell. But then it was too late. You see, we learned some things about God's grace in this first mention here, do we not? Noah found God's grace because Noah was trying to serve God. In a world where the entire world had corrupted itself, where God said, I am sorry that I made the earth, Noah found grace. And we, we need to just look at grace. We're told to grow in grace. And let's go to the Gospel of John. If you take the word grace, graciously, gracious, as it is found in our Bible, it's 199 verses in which uh, the word grace or a form of it is used in our Bible. But God begins to really explain grace here to us in, first, in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And we're just going to read a few verses here. And uh, what we're going to do is explore these verses and uh, then go to some other passages and, and look at this thing called grace and how it can be in our life. Verse 14, John chapter 1, it says, "...and the Word was made flesh." And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. This was he of whom, I'm sorry, this is he of whom I spake. He was, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness, have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, here we have in these few verses here, 
a, a complete uh, picture of grace, its source, uh, how it came into uh, mankind. The greatest uh, uh, gift of grace was the birth of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem's manger. It says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. We often talk about uh, the glory of God, and when we're, we're going through the Old Testament and uh, the tabernacle, and it said the glory of the Lord would appear at the tabernacle here, and John's given us something to bite into if we'll just look at it here. He said, we beheld his glory. We saw Jesus manifesting his glory to us. Do you remember the story of the wedding at Cana? The first miracle that uh, Jesus did, the Bible tells us that Jesus manifested his glory and his disciples believed on him. John is writing here in a summary of the entire ministry of Jesus. He says, we beheld his glory, his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. The word Jesus means Savior, but Christ means the Chosen One. The the term Messiah simply means the one that God has chosen, the one that God has sent. And and John here, the disciple, is telling us uh, that his glory was because Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. I mean, we live in a world today where truth uh, is definitely optional uh, in most people's minds. And uh, uh, I, I just, uh, I don't know how people live like this, but they'll say, well, that's your truth. Well, I'm sorry. Truth cannot belong to an individual. Uh, you cannot hold one truth And I hold a different truth, and those both be opposing truths, and both of them be true. Uh, We we live in a world where the, the idea of an absolute truth is the most evil thing known to mankind. Uh, And yet, everything we know, everything we believe... Everything that we comprehend is built on absolutes. And isn't it interesting, even Einstein in his theory of relativity. And what he's trying to say is, all matter is relative, but it is energy equals mass times E equals MC squared. Does anybody know what C stands for? Constant. See, even in man's best attempts to understand the universe in which we live, they've got to come back to something that is constant, something that is consistent, something that is always the same. And of course, Einstein said it's the speed of light. course, we would say it is the person of God. Amen. If they want to look for, uh, what is that called, the, the boson particle? 
that is supposed to be the element of all matter. Hey, the Bible says, John chapter 1, we're just past it here. By him all things consist. If you want the, whatever that particle is, it's Jesus Christ. It's just that simple. It really is. But we need to understand that he's full of grace. This is why we glorify God. This is why we praise him and worship him. Now look at this next verse here. It says, John bear witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Do you get what John is saying? John says, He's coming after me. I'm sent to announce him, but he is greater than I am because he was, he was before I was. Uh, he, he is alluding to the fact that the Messiah is the eternal God. And it says, of his fullness have all we received. Now, that fullness of God is something every person and every being on planet earth has received. Now, we didn't have a lot of sunshine today, but we need the rain. Uh, this planet on which we live uh, sustains life. Uh, some of you, uh, if you understand our astronauts, they go to the moon when the sun is shining on the surface of the moon, the temperature can reach 125 degrees and cook you. Uh, when the sun goes down, the temperature is 200 degrees below zero. Uh, that's cold. Um, you, you could not, life does not, there is no life on the moon. Uh, contrary to science fiction and all of these things, but God has made this planet on which we live, sustain life. And it is a resilient planet. We're not going to take time to kick the global warming uh, ignorance tonight, but uh, uh, I do want to remind you that in 1950, it was either 50 or 53, the United States detonated the largest nuclear device ever detonated on the surface of Earth. I believe, and uh, there's a little island in the South Pacific called Bikini Atoll, and it vaporized part of one of those islands. There were a couple of Navy ships there. They wanted to see the effects of the radiation and all of these things. Well, we're 70-some years beyond that uh, great detonation of that uh, nuclear weapon there. Uh, do you know what the primary activity of Bikini Atoll is? Tourism. Uh, you don't want to eat much of the fish. Uh, uh, they're still kind of glowing in the dark. No, not really. But uh, uh, you, you, you do have to be somewhat careful. Uh, but it's a place where it, the earth has completely repaired itself. There is life there on that island, uh, and uh, there is fish in the sea, and there's all of these things. God made this earth incredible. Uh, you talk about the human body, how complicated it is, and 
we get a little cold and we get uh, a little sick and we complain about things or some ailment or something like that, and yet the body has great ability to heal itself. And he's given us uh, ability as human beings to come up with medicines and all these different things that help us and and surgeries and and uh, all of these things that we do here and it says here of his fullness have all we received and then it says and grace for grace now i love that little phrase there grace for grace and we're going to come back to that in a, in a minute here but we want to get verse 17 For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. If you want to know the source of grace, it is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're going to grow in grace, you're going to have to get Jesus to know Jesus better. This idea uh, here in verse 16 of grace for grace... Uh, we have a phrase that we use, it takes money to make money. Isn't that what we say? Uh, it, it works that way. If you have something you can invest, something you can put into, you can make something uh, with that. And uh, the Bible here says that if you can have grace, God wants to give you more grace. And so, this is the idea of growing in grace. We understand that the source is the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, let's just illustrate this. How does a person get saved? For by grace through faith. Amen? Grace is God's goodness to us. Grace is the reminder by the Holy Spirit of God that tells us we have failed. Uh, one of the great problems we deal with in our society today is guilt. Uh, psychiatrists and psychologists, man, they make a lot of money on guilt. Uh, and yet, how do we deal with guilt in the Bible? We bring our sin to Jesus Christ who paid for our sin. Payment is the way you deal with guilt. And if it's paid, if someone uh, came by and you had a loan that you owed and someone gave you money and said, I want this loan paid off, here is uh, the money to do so. I mean, that's what happened with our church. We borrowed uh, $250,000 to make that final payment to the synagogue and then Uh, But there were churches that said, hey, we'll help you pay that loan off. We didn't say, oh, don't help us. Uh, We said, you're more than welcome to do so. And in just five years, we paid that loan off, paid the building off. And it has enabled our church to do many great things since then for the cause of missions because we weren't hampered by that. And uh, I even got a phone call uh, several years later. And uh, this person uh, acted like they were really 
knowing what was going on. And they said, you know, we've been reviewing the records of the purchase of the synagogue and we never found a mortgage satisfaction and we're bringing suit against your church and we're going to make sure that we collect. And I'm going, whoa, wait a minute here. Who in the world do you think you are? said, well, we're reviewing the records. I said, you can review the records all you want. I said, I have a copy of the mortgage satisfaction in the safe at the church. But even if you come here, I'm not sure I'm going to let you even look at it. Because you have no business in this thing at all. Click. These were dishonest thieves going through records, hoping they could find something so they could collect on. You know, that's the way the devil works, isn't it? How many times have you had the devil just knock on you heart's door and say, Hey, you really messed up this week. Well, wait a minute. How did I get saved? By God's grace. You see... I'll take that grace that God gives me to understand my sin, understand His Word about this thing called salvation, and God then takes my believing grace, if we want to put it that way, and turns it into saving grace. Are you with me? So now I've received the grace of God to understand I'm a sinner, I'm lost, I cannot save myself. Jesus paid the price, and I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11:6, He that cometh to God must believe what? That He is, and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Faith is believing that God is and believing that God is good. And when I believe God's Word, that happens. That is grace working in my life. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. If you get to chapter 13, just stick your finger in there because we'll be going there in just a few moments. Acts chapter 14. Now, this is the end of the first missionary journey uh, of Paul and Barnabas, of Barnabas and Saul, as they go out from the church at Antioch. And as they were finishing this, uh, look at verse 26 here of chapter 14, the book of Acts. And thence sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. I want to ask you, does that fit the pattern from Genesis chapter 6? But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then Noah went to work and built an ark that saved he and his family. And establish God's covenant of life with the family of Noah. And we're moving forward here. And now in the New Testament, go back to uh, Acts chapter 13. And we're going to just start in the, we're going to read the first four verses here. 
It says, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And one day the church had fasted and prayed, and the church laid their hands on them. They, the church, sent them away. Verse 4. So they, Barnabas and Saul, we know him as the Apostle Paul, being sent forth by whom? The Holy Ghost. Well, wait a minute. Verse 3 just said the church fasted, the church prayed, the church laid their hands on, the church sent them away. Well... Guess what the grace of God is? They were taking serving grace to minister there in the church. And God made it working grace to go out and establish new churches all through the area of modern day Turkey. It's called Asia in our Bible where they worked. They ministered to the Lord. They were recommended unto the grace of God for the work that God called them to do. Now, I want to challenge you. We all have work to do. We've studied that in the book of Ephesians. We just finished that. There is uh, every one of us have a vocation. We have a calling. We, uh, you receive the grace of God that bringeth salvation, hath appeared to all men. To understand that you're a sinner and need to be saved. As you receive that grace, the work that that grace did was to bring you to faith in Jesus Christ. Saving faith. You take that saving faith and it's going to give you serving faith as Paul and Barnabas and these men here emphasized in the church. And then God moved them up to the next level and sent them out to Minister in churches. And when they finished their first journey, it, their first missionary travel was described in chapter 14 as they returned to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. Now, I'll tell you, there's a lot of work that needs to be done here in New York City. There's a lot of work that we need to accomplish as Open Door Bible Baptist Church. There's a lot of work at Union Baptist Church. Not just the building, people. Uh, a lot of work at Morris Park. A lot of work at community. And, and if that work is going to be done, it's got to be done by the grace of God. Amen? Okay, good. Still wait. Good. Now, the Bible describes what was going on in the church in Acts 4.33. It says, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Uh, I will tell you this, uh, we, we need grace. We need more grace. We need that great grace. 
we need to take the grace that God has given us. We're thankful. I hope you are thankful for all the miracles that God has done so that our church could just exist. All the miracles that have been done so that Brother Mike could be there in Brooklyn and Brother Franz up in the Bronx and Andrew out at uh, Community. Uh, but we don't have to stop here. We can take that grace. It says growing grace. Here's how we do it. We give that grace to God and He will give us more. Um, why don't you turn with me to First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3. Now this passage is dealing primarily with husbands and wives, but there is an application here and and understanding is part of this thing of looking at grace. Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them, wives, your personal wife, not someone else's. Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. The Bible talks here about being heirs together of the grace of life. Uh, this is talking about in the home, but certainly if we understand our Bible correctly, uh, there is a uh, relationship between believers. It says we're members one of another. There's a responsibility in our church to take the grace that God has given us and allow ourselves to be moved into a position where God can give us more. This would be growing in grace. And it says here that if we're not careful about this inheritance about being careful about this uh, thing that we hold in trust that actually belongs to another. Uh, the Bible tells us that God wants to make us heir of all things, but aren't you glad uh, that, uh, that, uh, that inheritance has never been passed on because God's not going to die. Amen? Uh, he is never going to die, but He has entrusted us with this thing, the grace of life, and He wants us to live in that grace. If you go on, um, just uh, in my Bible, it's just across the page here to uh, chapter 4, and we want to read uh, verses 10 and 11. It says here, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards... Of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, 
What we see here is, in chapter 3, heirs together of the grace of life. Uh, Chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, it tells us stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, steward is a, a little different today than we would think so, uh, than uh, than what was spoken of here in the Bible. Uh, you get on an airplane and you have stewards and stewardess. You get on a cruise ship and you have stewards and stewardesses there. And, and what they're supposed to do is make your flight more comfortable. Okay, that's not what this is. Uh, Joseph was the steward in Potiphar's house. Why? Because he controlled every business uh, activity that went on in Potiphar's house. As a slave, as a servant, Potiphar began to move him up until finally he trusted all of the business of the Potiphar household to Joseph because God was blessing Joseph. Joseph was not just uh, in chains in Potiphar's basement at first. Uh, later, after Mrs. Potiphar lied, he went to the prison. But before this point, he was going and doing all the shop, all the food shopping, we might say. He was overseeing the planting, the harvesting. He was making sure that... Uh, Everything that went on in the Potiphar property there was taken care of. He was what we would call a very important businessman. Potiphar was the chief of Pharaoh's personal guard. He he was not a poor man. He was not a, a little man in any measure of that. And here we have Joseph taking care of all these things. And the Bible tells us here... That as every man hath received the gift, we're supposed to minister that gift one to another. How are we supposed to minister that gift? As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So what is the gift that is given to every man? Well, that's pretty simple. The manifold grace of God. We are supposed to manage that. We are supposed to distribute that. We are supposed to invest the grace of God that it might bring a return. I mean, we live in New York City. That's what the markets and all of these things are about. It's all about return. Well, how does this idea of being a steward of God's grace work? Well, here's how it happens. Number one, we have to understand that every one of us have received the gift. God's grace is given to us all. You got believing grace, saving grace. Saving grace turns into serving grace. Serving grace turns into working grace. That we can accomplish the work of the ministry. And verse 11 says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Now, I would dare say that most of us could use a little improvement here. That when we speak, when we talk to others about Jesus, it would be like Jesus himself is speaking in our place. I'll tell you what, we all need some work there now, don't we? We need to be able to 
speak in God's place to this world in which we live. God does not, uh, though his majesty is certainly imprinted on creation, you can look everywhere you want to look and you can see God's wisdom and God's manifold ability and the beauty and and Sunday nights we're talking about music now and, and we can hear the music of God in all of creation. It is there for us to listen to and to enjoy. But we have to take what God's given us and try to communicate that to others in this world. And it says, if any man minister. Now that word minister just simply means to serve. We are supposed to serve the world in which we live. Um, this is the reason why the Baptists have never started a war. is because the true church of Jesus Christ isn't here to dominate the souls of mankind. It is here to serve and help you, give you a platform, give you a context for your relationship with God. The idea here is that as we are good stewards of the grace of God that is given to us, people are going to glorify God through Jesus Christ. That's why we still call ourselves Christians. Uh, In the world outside the United States, the word Christian means non-Buddhist, non-Islam. Uh, non-other things. Uh, but when a Christian, when a believer in this book uses the word Christian, it means I'm identifying with the person, the teaching, and the ministry of Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. The Jesus of the Bible and none other. And as we try to minister that grace to the world in which we live, people will get saved. And then they will join in. And this whole circle of grace, we might call it, is completed. The neat thing about this is it's not a circle. It's a spiral. It keeps moving up and moving up if we will fulfill that end. You see, His glory is because of grace and truth. And truth can be a very harsh thing, can it not? But when you take grace and put it beside truth, Any truth is able to be comprehended, to be absorbed, and to move forward. The Bible tells us that as we accept God's truth and His grace, He'll give us grace for grace. He'll he'll allow us to continue in that growing process. And the whole purpose of that growing process is it so that God can be glorified through Jesus Christ, and we might just add through the church of Jesus Christ, because that's how Jesus works in this uh, dispensation in which we live, if you would like that term, this time, 
we refer to it as the dispensation of grace. It, it will end when Jesus comes back and takes his church out. And so, if we're going to grow, grow in grace, we've got to understand something. Grace comes from Jesus Christ. Until we're faithful with the grace that we have received, we don't get any more. God does not give saving grace to those who refuse to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who refuse to understand what the Bible says about them and their sin and their need to come from to God. Once you get saved, God will take care of whatever grace it needs for you to get wet in a baptistry. Uh, once you start serving God is going to use you in His work. And if we will keep this thing going, we're going to receive grace for grace until we're so full of grace that people no longer see us. They only see the Lord Jesus Christ. That is how we grow in grace. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you would help us to grow in grace. And Lord, that we would understand that the source of grace is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that if we want grace, we must come to you and simply ask you for it. We must take what you have given us and be obedient to it. And Lord, we ask you to do your work in our hearts that we may understand and experience that great grace that is referred to in the Scripture that souls would be saved and added to your church. And Lord, that we would fulfill that ministry that you have given us to an extent that people would have to stop and say, it cannot be them, it must be, O God. We ask you to work in such a way that you would be glorified through your Son. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll have the piano play.